uctoday.com. Hello and welcome to Out Loud. We at UC Today attended the CloudCom Summit, which was hosted by the Cavell Group and the Cloud Communications Alliance and took place in Washington, D.C. in June this year. As I mentioned in a previous podcast, I didn't quite make the cut to be there, but my colleague Rob Scott did. In today's episode, he spoke to Darren Schreiber. Darren is the co-founder of his business, 2600 Hertz. 2600 Hertz is based on the premise of open source communications, so who better to explain a bit more about it than Darren. Rob starts by asking him about his background in the industry and why he co-founded 2600 Hertz. Have a listen. Me and the business are probably two very different things. So uh, on me, I'm uh, probably a pretty pretty unique in terms of my my background. Um, Telecom's been a a hobby uh, since I was a kid. I think most people grew up asking for uh, toys when they were a kid. I asked for phone wire. I mean, I was a my, my uncle used to rip out old PBXs, and uh, one one year he gave me one as a gift. Uh, so that was like 14 years <laughs> That's old. That's an interesting yeah, gift. That was a pretty pretty <laughs> unique thing, and I was so excited. I played with this thing. It only even supported six extensions at the time, and I, I just couldn't get enough of playing with it. Um, Great. So I, I've had a pretty early fascination just with networks and communication systems, um, and it, it really was a hobby. Um, and then uh, kind of fast forward, I, I actually majored in computer science and did not go into telecom as a career. I went into programming and and, uh, operations for um, web service companies, but I kept the telecom stuff as a hobby. And uh, one day kind of stumbled across an open source project that I got involved in. And lo and behold, it was kind of a business opportunity too. And um, I took a crack at it and and said, you know, I I think I'm going to quit my day job and, and find a partner and see if we can get this off the ground and make it a living. Um, So, that's the really short version of that, but that's that's basically what we did. So what year was that? Well, there's actually been two iterations of this project. Uh, the first one was probably 2007 or 2008, I think. I might be getting the years wrong a little bit. Um, and uh, we had created a product that we were trying to um, uh, use a, a, another open source project called FreeSwitch. Uh, and we were trying to build a user interface for FreeSwitch. And... Um, that uh, basically got acquired by a company uh, and was my first experience uh, with that. Great. Um, but also had some flaws in how we designed it. And at some point we decided that we wanted to kind of reset and start again. Um, so we took some of the founders of that project and um, decided to quit our, our day jobs and uh, work out of my apartment <laughs> as a, in my living room, you know, as, a, as 2600 hertz and start over. Yeah, so 2600 Hertz was born, and it's got an interesting. I, I had to Google 2600 Hertz. I was like, "What, what does <laughs> that mean?" You're younger than the audience yeah. you're targeting. Yeah, so t- you know, it, it's defined as I think AT and T as a steady signal to to mark currently unused long distance telephone lines, according that to Google. I mean, so good job. <laughs> so um, it has a funny history. And that's why we picked it. Um, we actually were looking for less funny domain names and got frustrated one day that we couldn't find one. And then we, we were joking about old uh, phone freaker technologies, like hacking technologies. And 2600 hertz was a well-known tone back in the 70s um, that uh, the phone companies used that signal when they were connecting a call between phone switches to signal that the call had ended and the new call was going to start or was available to start. And people figured out that you could trick the phone company on the remote end to think that the call had ended when the local phone company knew that you were still on the line and did not pay attention to the tone. So you could trick the remote side to think the call had ended, and then you could send requests for calls anywhere in the world, and nobody would even know they happened. They weren't billed. Uh, 
they weren't tracked um, because the remote side thought that the phone company who started the call was tracking it. (laughs) So you could get free phone calls. You could call phone numbers you weren't supposed to be able to call. There's all sorts of hidden numbers. Um, So it was basically a a phone freaking technology, and it was very popular. Even Steve Jobs is listed with photos of of using. He used to do this thing called blue boxing. And uh, that was kind of funny as a a pastime story, so we picked the name because it was kind of a a little pushing the envelope kind of an idea. At the same time, it was a switching technology. It was a, uh, a way to send signaling between one phone company and another. Well, our software integrates with the phone network and is sending signals between one phone company and another. So we kind of see it as the same technology just in the digital age with SIP signaling, um, but really it's uh, an homage as well to the folks who used to kind of tinker with it and, and manipulate it a little bit. You know, we're here at the Cloudcom Summit, and I was listening to your, your talk earlier about open source, mm-hmm. you know, cloud communications. I mean, can, can you define that for, for, for me and the audience in terms of, what, you know, what does that mean? How does that differ from a a UCAS uh, or a CPAS platform that's currently out there in the, in, in, you know, in, in the vendor landscape. Yep. So I think open source is a very broad term. Um, the reality, in my opinion anyway, is that open source used to be um, a collection of people who had ideas that they wanted to work together on to build something that wasn't really available out in the market, but also wanted to keep those ideas free-flowing and have everyone contribute together. Um, it's kind of evolved into free uh, for some people, so it's just become uh, you know, 20, 30, 50 people work on this project, they don't mind sharing it, and they know that thousands of other people might be using it and don't really expect anything from those people other than uh, really feedback about how they could make it better, which is pretty valuable. A lot of companies actually pay a lot of money to do market research, when in open source you just get that from people interacting with you. Um, it's evolved even further, in my opinion, now to something that large corporations actually depend on. And Uh, They use the open source pieces as sort of building blocks to build much larger solutions, and the people using those large solutions are unaware that they're really based on technology that other people have been building. Um, And putting those sort of building blocks together in a bunch of unique ways uh, allows for thousands of iterations of uh, different products that can come out based on those those pieces, Um, but they're all still based on those fundamental building blocks. Um, For us... uh, we want to see the next generation of those building blocks a little more sophisticated and a little more um, uh, elaborate in what they can do, um, especially in telecom. And the real thing that's amazing to me with open source and, and communication systems is you know, up until the 80s and the 90s, uh, unlike some industries where you could go to the library and get a book and learn how these things worked, the, the core switching systems that were used in Uh, all over the world, really, um, they were all secret. So uh, most of that information wasn't available. So you'd have to really, really dig to find out how all these systems worked because for security and other reasons, those documents were not published. Um, Open source, I think, kind of cracked the nut at making those services open, and we're just starting to see uh, what people can do with them um, in terms of uh, hooking them up to computing services or mobile services or other things, where now there's this huge, you know, paradigm shift where nobody really sees a phone as a phone anymore. It does a whole lot more than just make phone calls. Um, yeah, because the pioneers of uh, the pioneers of, of, of open source communications or switching technology, you know, as I know it, has been asterisk in, in the marketplace. And how would you compare yourselves, 2600 Hz, with asterisk? Well, the main claim to fame, I think, for the main building block of all the open source stuff is both asterisk and free switch. So... 
Uh, Asterix was definitely with Mark Spencer. He was one of the first people who really said, I don't want to pay for dial tone anymore. I want to see if I can get it out of my own computer. Right? And that's what he did. Um, you know, FreeSearch took it to the next level and said, what if we build software that can service thousands of people on a single box uh, and really uh, take that to the next level? And ironically, the guys who founded FreeSearch came from the Asterix background. They were contributors to the Asterix project uh, and wanted to start over to see if they could um, build something better. Uh, I look at us as very different than that. We're looking to figure out how to solve the business portion of it. So those guys have solved the switching and the communications building blocks to some degree and have now solved it so well, in my opinion, that it's very heavily and widely used. But there are other components about running a communications platform, everything from taxes to um, you know, billing to uh, just the user interface and how to make it presentable to users and reusable for some of those components that we're watching people really struggle with when they want to invent something new that they have to start over. And there's really no base platform that you can download that gives you like a communications platform in a box that comes with all of those different pieces. Like a suite of applications, Correct. for example. And the bar in order to get started in the communication space requires you to have all of those, not just one or two of them, right? Nobody sure. will buy the service from you if it doesn't have, you know, 10 base components. But now, you simply one. can't compete. Right? right. So our theory was, okay, is there a way to make this, um, you know, a solution package that's more scalable and has these building blocks, uh, but also can be built upon with a lot less effort? And that's kind of the idea behind the platform that we built. That's a really complicated. Good, that's a really good point, though, and, and, and a great comparison, actually, because that, in, in terms of your success in the marketplace. I mean, how, how, how have you commercialized the business and, and who do you work with within the marketplace and how do you work with them? So um, we probably were a little too utopian when we started. We said, you know, if everyone who had a phone paid us five cents a month, we would be able to make a ton of money. Well, if the price is free with an optional five cents, guess what? They, they don't pay. So if there's no incentive, uh, we've learned, unfortunately, that a lot of people uh, just don't, um, which is okay. It's just natural. So... Um, what we did is we said, well, we don't want to go the traditional route either, which is to charge for everything and have you know nickel and dime for each little feature and stuff that doesn't even really cost money. They charge for it anyway just because they can. So we were trying to find some happy medium. So what we said is we, we want the base core product. We actually call it open core now and instead of open source. It's got a core platform that is completely open and is not crippled. So it allows you to get several thousand phones as a service provider online. And you can do that with like two servers and, uh, you know, have a full UI and a full provisioning system that lets you get the, well, not full provisioning, but full uh, ability to provision phones uh, using APIs, basically, that lets you go from zero to 100 very quickly. Um, that part we give away for free and we'll continue giving away for free probably forever. Um, it's the pieces on top of that where the market already dictates that there's a cost to them that we said, okay, we don't need to go to zero with every cost that's out there. Let's just pick a few markets where there is a kind of an expected charge and we will put tools in that space that we think people use and we'll charge something much less for them. Uh, but at least that provides a revenue stream for us. So um, things like contact center and call center are still valued highly as, as something people are willing to pay for. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. Even things like branding and white labeling are things that people, we actually include that for free, but most people can't use it without a nice tool on top to manage it. Um, so we charge for that as well. Um, and then the other big thing we charge for is uh, support and hosting services. So we actually will uh, host your servers if you want us to. Uh, we'll do the support and maintenance and the 24-7 uh, monitoring service, all the stuff that goes to how do I make sure that 365 days a year my service is working. There's a lot of companies who aren't equipped to do that, and there's a lot of companies that don't want to bother being, doing that anymore either. Um, so we charge for those services, and the, collectively those 
uh, few things allow us to have a business model where we can sustain the project while still giving the majority of the pieces away for free. I was going to say that, so that makes a lot of sense now. So if you were, if you want to be a service provider, but you want to innovate and you want to differentiate, 2600 hertz sounds like a, an ideal platform because you've got kind of that CPAS and UCAS Correct. kind of layer in it's the in stack. the same system, exactly. Yeah. And that's what's funny for us is, when we started the company, there was no term CPAS, there was no term UCAS, <laughs> yeah. they didn't exist. And so we don't say that to brag or something, we just wanted APIs on everything because we wanted to automate everything. So yep. everything we did had an API, but the actual product we were building was really a UC solution. Um, it just so happens that people suddenly wanted APIs as well that weren't attached to a UC solution when they kind of already had them. So um, you know, our our vision was that if we didn't build something you liked, then you could build your own version of it. Um, and therefore, the creativity wasn't capped or limited in any way for people to come in and, and play with these APIs. Um, the market itself ended up shifting there. And we can kind of thank Twilio for that to some degree, frankly, because they made mm -hmm. people aware that there were more possibilities on what they could program uh, out in the universe. right? Or we can thank Cisco for that because they spent a gazillion dollars on these beautiful setups for, for, you know, video conferencing and whatnot that were too expensive for most people, but got people thinking, gee, remote workplace doesn't have to be so challenging if these communication systems are a little bit better. You can communicate with your peers a little bit better, even if they're halfway around the world. So we've kind of got this weird shift happening right now where lots of people are trying to figure out how to maintain a remote workspace for employees or have people distributed around the world, while they're also trying to figure out how to hook up their business systems to their communication systems. And that, to me, encompasses CPaaS on the business systems and UCAS on the um, collaboration systems. And I think both those markets are kind of coming together. And, yeah, I think we have a good platform for people to build what they want on top of that to achieve that. Yeah, so you've just mentioned those things are coming together. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's an interesting, you know, conclusion to our, our, our discussion today. But, you know, where do you see the market going? What, you know, what trends do you see over the next kind of 12 months, two years? Well, we've seen... Providers acknowledge the combination of CPaaS and UCAS by the fact that they're acquiring whatever they don't have. So, you know, Vonage acquiring Nexmo, they didn't have a, a CPaaS solution that they could pitch that was easy. They had a business solution, a phone system solution, a UCAS system, whatever you want to call it. Um, we've seen several other acquisitions like that, um, which is kind of an acknowledgement that, okay, you know, everyone sees this as a likely outcome. Um, the flip side is... I think people are going to kind of not focus on the phone service component anymore, but expect it to still be there. I think they're going to focus much more on how does this communication system help my business. And that's definitely heavier on what currently is being termed as the CPaaS solution. But I think any CPaaS platform that doesn't have the ability to also do the basics will be seen as obsolete by the customer. So in other words, uh, I may buy a point of sale terminal for my business, uh, restaurants or whatever, um, but I'm going to take the advice of that vendor on which phone system to buy so that they hook up together, right? So that's going to flip all sorts of stuff on its head in yeah, terms of absolutely. how you used to yeah. buy these systems and how you used to integrate with them. So the phone systems that can do the most integrations but are still a phone system are going to gain, in my opinion, the most traction um, because the sales cycles and all the ways that these systems get installed and managed is going to change dramatically uh, because they're going to be linked to so many other things, and those are going to be the important things. But you're also never going to have a restaurant that doesn't have a phone. 
how they place their orders for food and stuff. They're still used to doing that and talking to the manager. How does a staff member call in and say, I'm sick or stuck on the train? That's still more natural. You can do it through text message maybe, um, but people will still want that option. How do you take orders from people who are still used to calling and, and ordering by phone? I myself am addicted to these online ordering services, but once in a while I call and I'm like, hey, where's this order? I, I've been waiting two hours. So the volume of usage might go down, but you're not going to abandon the technology. You're just going to expect it to be part of your other technologies that you use. Mm, interesting. All, all part of a CPAS suite yep, that's as right. opposed to a UCAS suite. Yep, that's right. Yeah, so I like to shop it yeah. differently. That's yeah, that's really interesting insights. Well, thank you for coming on to the podcast today. Thank you for having me. This has been fantastic. Wow, I still can't get over the fact that Darren got a PBX system as a present when he was a small child, and more shockingly, he seemed really pleased with it. I think at that age, I probably just wanted Pokemon cards. It was a really fascinating listen, though, so massive thanks to Darren and to 2600Hz for coming onto the podcast and chatting with Rob at the Cloud Comms event. That's it for today's episode. If you liked it, even though I wasn't conducting the interview, please leave a rating, leave a review, and subscribe, as it really helps us improve the pod. Thanks for listening.